Gould and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Four o'clock hours here. Adam Candy is with us. It's Cofield. I'm hanging out down near the Vegas Strip, Flamingo in Paradise at Silver Sevens. Ari is steering the ship back in our Finley Toyota studios. Let's do it. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. My Lord, so much good stuff to watch on TV and docu- uh, documentaries and following stars and stories unfolding. Do we have one involving a uh, state hero, a hometown hero in Floyd Mayweather coming up? Yes. Uh, we, we, we apparently, according to Floyd himself, are going to have uh, a last dance style docu-series uh, about Floyd Mayweather. We need this. So what uh, independent producer is going to be doing this? Uh, unfortunately, that is not going to be the case. Uh, Floyd's okay. going to have entire control over this. Oh, he's no. going to tell the story that we've never gotten to know about Floyd Mayweather. So I'm assuming, what was the last dance, 10 episodes? I'm assuming, what, Joe Lombardo gets like one whole episode just to go through police reports? Is that is that possible? Uh, oh, you're like, snarky today. No, oh, I'm, I'm, I cannot hero. believe. Every time I think I've seen something from Floyd that shows his lack of self-awareness above all else, then something else happens that says, nope, nope, this guy has absolutely either no idea how he's perceived or just no care in the world about how he's perceived, except now we're getting a docu-series that shows he does care how he's looked at because he wants to put out his own that obviously he thinks he's going to sell for quite a bit of money, but we don't need this. We don't need to know any more about this guy. We know all we need to know. We enjoy watching you box occasionally when we're not having fights where you just sort of dance around and play defense. Or we know what we need to know about you because we can look up every domestic violence or battery charge that you've ever had brought against you. Like, I don't need this. Nobody needs this. Nobody wants this. He's an obnoxious human being, and he has made a lot of money being an obnoxious human being. Good for him. But spare me. It was far enough with Jordan in his own production. I don't need to see Floyd in his. Boy, I had some levity to bring to the situation, but that was hard-hitting. I'm just going to move on to something else here real quick, and that is on the fight front. You saw that Mayweather recently fought an exhibition. Now, his exhibitions generally have been against him. If you want to argue Conor McGregor's a clown, I guess you can, but uh, the guy did have 20-plus fights in mixed martial arts. I think an MMA fighter who's got experience against a boxer should be licensed. What they're going to do in Phoenix on the undercard of Logan Paul's fight against Anderson Silva is outrageous and dangerous, and Arizona better get its crap together. They have put together an exhibition fight, or it's not an exhibition, it's a fight between former NFL running back Le'Veon Bell, and they're putting him against a guy who's fought 30 times as a striker primarily in the uh, world of MMA and a lot of fights in UFC, Uriah Hall, when I saw this come down, I'm like, "What are we doing here? What, what are we, we? You know, two running backs from the NFL fighting each other with little fight experience, and Le'Veon Bell scoring a knockout is one thing. This is stupid and really dangerous. Big it out of this fight. This is dumb. I, I don't understand how any sort of state athletic commission would give a seal of approval to this. Like this would never fly here because 
Le'Veon Bell is at serious risk of, of sustaining major injury. And believe me, it's happened before. Johnny Morton back in the Coliseum, and I think it was either his second fight or first fight, the head of the card was Brock Lesnar. But uh, I think the guy's name was Bernard Aka, if I remember correctly. He was a, a karate dude, and he nearly killed Johnny Morton. You know, high-level athlete, NFL player. He had no idea what he was doing, and he got freaking nailed and was out cold. I hope that doesn't happen to Le'Veon Bell in this fight. Number three. All right, big deal from LeBron James. He wants to bring an NBA team to Nevada here in Las Vegas. LeBron, after an exhibition game last night, you know, generally there's a an annual or two exhibition games in Sin City. Uh, LeBron, before the game, the game wasn't really that hyped. After the game, though, answering a question about what he thought about the Vegas fan base, said it was great, and then sent out the message to Adam Silver, hey, I want the team here. Thanks, Adam. Do you think he crossed the line in any way? Or, as Jordan Schultz, media mogul, expert, told us earlier, is very uh, well connected to uh, the NBA and a lot of players, that uh, LeBron can basically do whatever he wants. If there are rules, he can bend them. LeBron's earned the right to do whatever he wants. Yeah, LeBron, not just by his on-court performance, but LeBron by the way he has carried himself as an ambassador for basketball, not just the NBA, but basketball for more than two decades, has earned the right to speak out on whatever he wants to speak out on. And by the way, what would we say he had done wrong? It's not tampering. There's no team. Uh, there's nothing there. He's not getting in the way of something that doesn't exist. Right. If you want to talk about what does LeBron do after his playing career, oh, he's still playing and he's talking about owning a team. You heard Jordan Schultz. The man already owns part of multiple franchises. He's made his ambitions clear. And I think this is also, in a tangential way, this is sort of the credibility that LeBron buys himself by being out front on social issues, too, because you don't just hear from LeBron when it benefits LeBron. Now, this does. This clearly benefits LeBron. But you hear from LeBron when it's not easy also. And so when he does things like this, it's really hard to come after him from any angle. Number two. It's really hard to come after, really, on, from any angle, Draymond Green. He's won the Golden State Warriors four titles. It was him. He's very big into the we. He's just like Steph, just like Clay, Except for one thing. He was awful at the end of last year. And his antics and acting like a horse's ass, counterproductive stuff, was really starting to weigh on people's nerves. Uh, he didn't play well on the floor at times. It was five on four, especially, or check that, four on five, especially on offense. And now the story comes down that in practice, he may have punched Jordan Poole. I wonder where this is going because that point of diminishing returns has approached, and it's only getting worse. How much longer are they going to tolerate this guy? I wonder if Draymond Green pushed the wrong button this time because he's been able to push whatever buttons, and I use that term very pointedly. He has wanted to for a real long time, Cofield. Like, basically, because he's been an integral part of what they've done in winning championships in Golden State, he's basically been able to come out and be whoever he wants, say whoever he wants, say whatever he wants, treat referees like crap, which you know is going to irritate me. Like, but now... He went after the guy that carried that team while Steph was out. Jordan Poole averaged 19 points and four assists a game last year. Jordan Poole is the future of this team. So maybe Draymond's raging against the dying of the light a little bit here, right? Like maybe he sees that his time might be winding down. 
with the Golden State Warriors. Maybe he knows that Jordan Poole is the future. And I'm sure maybe what we end up getting is something that comes out where it's like, well, Draymond Green's trying to toughen up Jordan Poole, right? He's trying to make sure he's ready. Oh, stop. Yeah. Would you be surprised? I wouldn't be surprised at all. That would be an awful narrative to present. There's there's no need to toughen up Jordan Poole, and certainly the way to do it isn't by punching him in practice. I agree. I'm just saying when it comes to time to spin this thing, and there's going to come a time to spin this thing, and it's going to happen on Draymond's podcast, then you're going to get something that is not Draymond Green apologizing for hitting Jordan Poole. That's not really within the aura that he's created. The new media. I will report the way it should be reported. My fracas and immaturity and buffoonery in practice. Wait until I report on this. Download it. All right, Love Dr. It. Dre, master of kine- uh, kinesiology, understanding all the body movements. Uh, Jason Williams on morning show on ESPN National threw out this excuse that, uh, well, you know, things happen. Uh, both Poole and Draymond Green are up for an extension. Maybe that's behind this action. Uh, if it is, doesn't it make it even worse? And doesn't it make it impossible for the Warriors to bring him back? Really? You're going to punch a teammate over money worries? Come on. I don't believe I don't believe that's the case. But, hey, Jason Williams played in the NBA, and, you know, he's a former basketball player. Maybe he's heard something like that. Yeah, uh, maybe he has. I mean, I don't know that Jason Williams is the guy I want to hear from about excusing off-court behavior because Jason Williams wrecked his entire NBA career in a motorcycle accident. So, uh, you know, maybe not the right messenger for the message here. But in the end, look, Draymond Green could leave this franchise and go somewhere else, and someone will buy into what he's going to do for the culture, what he's going to do for the defense. But he's not going to get nearly as much rope anywhere else as he's gotten in Golden State. God, I hope my scenario comes true where the Jazz trade for him, and then you know he'll just sit out the year, but it's just a means to an end to fill the roster. Maybe they get some draft capital. How about that? If Danny Ainge calls up and he's like, you know what, I'll take him, but I'll also take a couple of picks. I'll take him off your hands. Because do you believe a contender would call Andre Green? No, I don't. And wow, that, was, for, that was quick. For this reason, uh, any contender has something good enough going in its locker room that you cannot risk bringing in that personality into that locker room unless you have, let's say, a LeBron-level guy there to keep things under control, right? And there aren't many LeBron-level guys. Frankly, it might only be LeBron because who's the other best basketball player in the world? Kevin Durant, and we haven't exactly seen locker room stability follow Kevin Durant around. Number one. Very interesting storyline, Candy, going into the Monday game against the Chiefs, and that is the Raiders ran the ball really well. Josh Jacobs ran the ball really well. So I think a lot of fans now think the key to the next part of the season is run the ball. We like Josh Jacobs. Here's what McDaniels had to say about Jacobs. Relative to Josh and his workload, I think he'll tell us when it needs to be adjusted a little bit. And uh, again, I said it the other day, JJ's one of those guys who doesn't, you know, I've been around some guys that run two or three carries and then give you one of these and come out for a play or two. And JJ just doesn't have that. Yeah, he wants to stay out there. You know, it's almost like he gets better as the drive goes. Yeah, I would have that attitude, too, if I were Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler and I had declined his fifth year option. 
I, I would decide to run him directly <laughs> into the ground. I would get every carry uh, I can out of him. I would be like the Brewers were with CC Sabathia I, going to the playoffs last I year. I was just going to bring that up. CC Sabathia and the Brewers are like, you're throwing every three days, and you're going uh, over 130 pitches, and you're giving us nine if we need it. No, pr- yep, we're going to run CC Sabathia into the ground, into <laughs> yep. extra innings, just like Josh Jacobs is going to carry the ball 35 times if it wins a few games for the Raiders. All of this lavish praise we're hearing from Josh McDaniels on Josh Jacobs just rings a little hollow considering they decided not to bring him back next year already. So good on the Raiders that they found a way to go against that Broncos defense and be able to cut through it with the running game. But man, oh man, is this a hard turn for everything we heard about Carr and Devontae Adams and Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro and all the options that they have. Yeah, remember Josh Jacobs played in the first preseason game and we were talking about, huh, I wonder why he played in the first preseason game. It just goes to show me that maybe the Raiders overall kind of still figuring it out. Can we look at glass overflowing like, hey, nice job. Lombardi, nice job. Jacobs, you made adjustments. You're not stubborn. You're not going to throw the ball 45 times. Can we can we turn this into a positive? We can because against the Broncos, it was never going to happen, right? I mean, it, they have a great secondary, and they were ranked in the 20s in run defense in over three games coming into that game, and the Raiders took advantage of it. Now, were they doing it because that was the best way to beat the Broncos, or were they doing it to hide the rough start that Derek Carr has had to the year? Doesn't I'll also really matter. Say, yeah. You won. I'll also say the other positive is they feel a little more confident in their mix on the offensive line to be able to run the ball. The Big Four at Force presented by Battleborn Injury Lawyers in Reno and Las Vegas, 766-1400. I was always taught no block, no rock, so that's kind of the mentality you got to have in order for me to you know, go make plays down the field. You know, the running backs, they got to be able to step up and make plays and take on a, a blitzer and A-gap, and, and that's not the easy task. So I figure if, if they can do stuff like that to be able to allow me to go do my job, there's always things that you can do to be better, but you know, the, the receivers definitely got to be involved in the, in the run game. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. Going to talk to Brad Powers in about 25 minutes. Brad, our college football betting expert, always has a player lean or like on the NFL as well. You got anything on the game tonight? No, sir. The lack of uh, clarity in a couple of things. First of all, what's the Colts offense going to look like without Jonathan Taylor? Second of all... Uh, just how bad is Nathaniel Hackett, and that is too much variance for me to get involved. Let's continue on that in just a couple of minutes, but uh, one of the stories around the Raiders that is interesting and developing, and you know I love this story. I have a feeling Candy's going to come crashing in with some uh, white nightage to try to talk me off this one. I'm not going to say I'm going to ledge about it, but what is happening right now with Max Crosby Arguably the Raiders' best player, most impactful player on defense for sure. And his child on the way. We've got a day-by-day watch led by our local paper. What's happening? Well, Max Crosby is going to be a papa. And the baby is going to be here any day now. And it looks like Max Crosby will play in the Monday night game unless the baby is born Monday. And if the baby is born Monday, it appears that he will be at the birth of his child, which I think you can expect. I think you can expect, unless you're Steve Cofield, who only fathers cats. <laughs> uh, technically, I don't father them. I might be their parents. 
I didn't I didn't give birth to Azzy or Lucy or Little B outside or the other fifteen stray cats who are supposed to be working cats. Hey fellas, enough of eating little bee's food. Let's get some pigeons out of that backyard. We're gonna be working cats, you gotta work. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm pretty hardcore on this. As I've gotten older on the missing the games thing, I mean, I suppose I can deal with it a lot more or a lot more easily in baseball because it's such a long season. One of 17 is a big deal, and I think I know there's a lot of people who get mad when I say it. Um, I really feel like uh, fornicating as a football player between January and April is a, a kind of a dangerous thing if you may have to miss a game. So I'm obnoxious for that. But I like to work. I try not to let anything get in the way of work. I've never let children get in the way of work because I've never had one. And for the response that I've gotten to that, probably you know thousands of times on social media or phone calls, uh, yes, I could have reproduced over the years. Yes, I could have. Yes, yes. There's been some smushing here and there, Candy. Could have, could have done it. Chose not to do it. I call it being responsible. You do what you want. If you want kids, you have kids. But it's always intriguing when a football player may have to miss a game. So if the rest of the Raiders are fine with it, and, you know, it is an important thing. So I, I have come to grips on that. It is an important thing. It may be the only time he has a child. So apparently it's a special deal. I'm, I suppose over the years if I had a little tyke, it would have been awesome. Not raising little tyke, but the childbirth. So am I just talking myself into the ground here, or do you get what I'm saying? Well, let me ask you a question. If, yes. if Lil B, is Lil B a boy? She's a she's a uh, she's a chick. She's a okay. Chick. We, have, we have all we have all female cats that we take care of now. Okay, all female cats that we take care of. So uh, I, I'm going to just ask you to play along. Don't know if they're spayed, but let's just say they weren't. Let's say they weren't wow. spayed. Let's say the little, let's say little B met a special someone. Yeah. Out there in the neighborhood, what what happens if little B is ready to give birth at 2:59 p.m. on the average? day are, are you coming in to do the show or are you going to be a real parent and are you going to be there for Lil b at her biggest time of need you know the answer doing the show yes. so uh, here's the problem um <laughs> it's a, it's you, a cat. It's you've kind of gone it's a cat and, and it's an outside cat so that's not uh, it's a great point it's, it's the, not the outside cats they just haven't earned their way in yet yeah tr- trust me there is a whole story behind this i don't know that vegas or reno wants to hear it but you know what screw it uh, Little B actually, I don't want to bring down the show. Little B actually did have kittens in the past. Oh. Um, there was an aggressive fella outside who. Uh, Big B. Yeah. Well, I don't know. He's, he, I think he's gone. Um, he, he got her pregnant. Um, I don't think we really knew that she was pregnant. And she had kittens in the garage. Not to be a bummer here today, but uh, the kittens at some point disappeared. And at that point, we were like, we need to get the cat fixed. We often will trap cats to get them fixed. Uh, she was a smart bugger. There were a bunch of male cats who were like, bah, 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 you know, took the bait with the food and got caught in the cage. It took her like a good six months to actually go in there, and we got her fixed. So I know that isn't like really pertinent to the story of Max Crosby, me talking about my stray slash whatever kind of cat. But that did all happen, so there's a, like a little ounce of goodness in me. Uh, I will say, of course, most of that was, 99% of that was made possible by the significant other. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and the, fact that we've, the fact that we've covered you uh, 
trapping and uh, keeping cats from reproducing, <laughs> sure. and also heard that there has, quote, been some smushing from time to time makes this radio that no state could do without. So Vegas, <laughs> Reno, like, I don't know who it's, else is listening right now. It's a, but. Full, it's a full disclosure show. Oh, yeah. We yeah, had, yeah. I think I'm going to get it wrong. We had, I think it was Bill who came by earlier. Bill, I apologize. He's a retired teacher. He actually said he listened uh, to the show every day at 3 o'clock when he get out of work. Um, now he, he says he doesn't get to listen as much. But he did pay us a compliment and said this show is not like other sports talk shows. Oh, and I you know why, he, can, said, why yeah. he said that is because we will talk about stray cats and... And they're smushing. Get them fixed, and and, 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 the, and, and, and our and the smushing fellas. And we we have yes. Well, I was really there's a whole lot to the story, but I was really trying to. Tone oh, it that's down. the short version. Well, <laughs> oh, it's, it was uh, yeah. It was it was a little more serious than that, but you know, we'll sanitize it for the Fair audience. Enough. Fair enough. So let's talk about Max Crosby and, and oh, that's the right. child that he has coming who will not be born in a garage. Um, Max Crosby uh, is well within his rights to yes, go and be. With his child. What I don't understand from your perspective, Cofield, is that you said as you've gotten older, you've become more anti-unprotected uh, fornication from January to April. Like most oh, no, people no, no, as no, they no, get no. older. No, I, what, what I meant was yes. I've, become, I've come okay. to grips with the fact that mm. people will have children when, when oh. they're going to have children. Okay. And, and I've often said, though, for your job uh-huh. to not miss the, that important five or six months. Maybe you could limit it. Maybe you could wrap it up. But, you know, whatever. Hey, I don't know if they had difficulty having a kid. So I'm, it's, not, it's not my business. Okay. All right. Because I was going to kind of question, like, most people as they get older get a little softer on these things. You sounded like you were taking a harder no, line on it. Like, that, that one was, of 17 games. That was, wrap that was, it up. Bank that thing. Chastity belt. Put it away, Max Crosby. That you was can actually, have a child another time. <laughs> that was me getting softer. Yes. This that actually was. You uh, want Max Crosby to get soft. No, That's the well, problem. Okay, yeah, but you, I, that was that was actually. Be, be, I'm becoming more understanding. I used to be more more militant in the past. Yeah, I don't know about that, Cofield. I, I don't know. You, you you you're still yelling at people in traffic. You, 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 I don't know that you've necessarily softened on this oh so much. Oh my as, God, it's not even close. Uh, I'm trying to think. One of one of our longtime listeners, uh, Noah. Uh, sort of shamed me about five years ago. He's like, "Man, you don't. You're like, you don't have it anymore. You used to really have an edge." I was like, "Oh, okay. Wow. Wow. Maybe the sunshine man really <laughs> is the sunshine man now." <laughs> Watch out! All right, Max Crosby. If you need to be with your child, you go be with your child. Raider Nation, because you're always such a kind and forgiving group. <laughs> yes. Yes. If you even have a thought to go to your keyboard. And click, clack, click, clack. Max Crosby needs to be there for the team. Go ahead and put it away. Once a Raider, always a Raider means you're a family. You're a nation. And you need to be there for Max and his wife. If they're going to have a baby, you'll get by. Guess what? It just means that Chandler Jones might have to start earning that paycheck for the first time this year. Oof. I thought that was all, this was all nice. And then all of a sudden, bang. A little bit of a shot there. Oh, from the top rope with the elbow. Macho man candy. I still think if they lose, they'll be, well, I don't know, about 10% of Raiders Nation that may have a word for, not, of course, not to his face. No one would do that on the internets, but they'll have a word for one Max Crosby. What will that word be? Play, bruh. 
You're paid to work 17 weeks. Well, not technically the weeks, but longer than that. But paid to play in 17 games. Get it together. Let me ask you another question, Cofield. Does it matter? Does it matter if Max Crosby plays? Is Max Crosby the difference between the Raiders winning this game or not? Could be. I don't think so. I don't think it matters at all. I, I think he, this team didn't get by beating the Chiefs the last couple of years by getting an amazing pass rush on Patrick Mahomes. They got by in the games that they actually were competitive by scoring points. This team's got to go out and score. This team's got to be ex- excellent on offense. They have to be outstanding on offense. That's where this game's going to turn or not turn. They got to be able to throw the ball. Like Derek Carr is going to have to step up and be the guy that he, he was expected to be in this particular game. Because what you saw out of Mahomes last week against one of the best pass rushes in the league with the Bucks, it didn't matter. And Patrick Mahomes said it when he talked to uh, Melissa Stark at the end of that game. He even gave a little bit of the game plan and said, "Yeah, we were focused on getting the ball out quick." Well, if they can get the ball out quick, it's not going to matter if Max Crosby is at his wife's side or on top of Patrick Mahomes. Am I a meanie if I say I don't want to see any field goals under 25 yards or over 48 yards from the Raiders? No, you're a hostage. That's exactly what you are because you've watched John Groot do it. You've watched Rich Bisaccia do it. And now you've watched Josh McDaniels do it. You cannot take short field goals, especially against this Kansas City offense. We saw Tampa do it. Last week, and look where it got them. It's the Nevada Sports Talk Hour with Cofield and Company on ESPN Reno and ESPN Las Vegas. He was given a lot of that at birth that I was not given. When I run, I don't make the cuts that he makes. Watching him cut and watching how aggressive he's ran this season for us, it really gives energy to the team and an excitement for us. I and mean, I'm excited for him. You know, he's done really well you know, with the opportunities he's been given, and I'm really proud of him and excited to watch him going on during the season. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. Sounds like a cohesive group. Josh McDaniels, Eric Carr, all about Josh Jacobs and the big week he had last week with a 144. It'll help if they can produce that kind of run game, keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. The Raiders have lost 13 of 15 in the series. I'm going to ask you a question here in just a second about the rivalry but first, uh, Dan checked in on Twitter, said, uh, listening to you now from Reno, because we're on ESPN Reno in this hour and also ESPN Las Vegas. He said, Max can enjoy his baby's birth. Hashtag go Raiders. Dan, you're a reasonable human being. Thank you. I, I don't appreciate accusations that I'm not reasonable. I just explained that I've softened on this and Max Crosby doesn't have to play in the game. It's fine. You just accused 15 outside cats of not doing their job and catching enough birds. We can debate your reasonableness at some what? later date. Most of those are catch and release. They're put back in the neighborhood to be productive cats, not just eat food at everyone's house. That food costs money, brother and sister. Go out and get the pigeons. Let's go. Are they the informed of this? Like, the cats. Do, they, do they understand that this is the contract? Like when you trap and release them, we're like, listen, uh, listen, here's the deal. We're going to snip yeah. your parts, yes. but in return, come work for us. Yeah, I'm guessing once they get snipped and they get dropped back off in the neighborhood and they know who trapped them, that's not their sentiment. Yeah, it's not exactly. The first thing they're thinking of is not working. The first thing they're thinking of is I'm going to uh, urinate as much as I can in the garage and I'm going to eat all I can. Oh, God, what a life. What a life. I don't envy you.
Oh, I thought you were saying what a life for the cats. No, 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 no. What a life in service of the felines. It's, it's really a... <laughs> You say you don't have children, but you have more obligations than the average oh, parent. Oh, oh, trust me. We've got obligations, and it, it feels like I, – I, I understand. Uh, kids, kids are a lot harder to work with, and generally they're around a lot longer. Because uh, I know some people my age who are still being a pain in the ass with their parents. So I'm a saint. I'm a saint. I get told that all the time from my 78-year-old mother. What a wonderful kid I am. I just need to call a little more. So he- rivalry. Rivalry. I'm hearing from some old-timey Chief players, yeah, it's still a rivalry. We're very much into it. I wonder what the newest players think of it because they've dominated this thing to the tune of 13 of 15. You do hear the trip around the stadium mentioned every once in a while. But I also have heard that uh, some Chief fans and Chiefs media people are like, "Eh, hopefully this is not a look-ahead spot because the Bills are coming. Which is real interesting for a game that used to be, you know, one of the biggest on the slate for all these teams in the AFC West. The way this division is played out, I don't think the Chiefs have the ability to look ahead at any point in their schedule. I don't care if Buffalo's next week. Had they lost that game in Tampa, the Raiders would have been one game out of first place because you would have had three two and two teams. They very well could find themselves in a tie for first place with the Chiefs if they are to lose this game to the Raiders. So rivalry or no rivalry, you look at Kansas City's schedule. Before the year, Kansas City had not just the hardest schedule in the league, but the hardest schedule in the league by a long shot. And that hasn't changed. They face the most difficult run of opponents in a long time in the NFL. They can't look ahead of anyone. And I think Monday night will help this too, being in that big island spot and all the attention that comes with that. What do you think is going to happen? We're not going to get a chance to talk to you tomorrow, and the Raiders are getting seven still? Yeah, I'm not going to touch that because I, I could see a seven-point game, and I think the Raiders have uh, the Raiders have backdoor potential with with the offense that they could have. So something in the uh, in the range of 27-20 doesn't feel out of, out of the range of uh, possibility for the Chiefs. Sports gambling expert Brad Powers is on the way. BradPowersSports.com. Also at BradPowers7 on Twitter. We'll get his take on the UNLV and Nevada games. Cofield and Company, Battleborn Sports Hour. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Brad Powers. Brad Powers is here. A lot of college football to get to. We'll get a leaner like, or maybe nothing, on the Thursday night football game in just a couple minutes. Brad, what's going on, buddy? Hey, what's happening? A lot is happening. Tomorrow is very busy in the world of the Mountain West, in the uh, world of Nevada, state of Nevada, football. So let's start out there as we're on ESPN Reno and ESPN Las Vegas, my friend. Uh, I've been saying that the pack are going to freaking kick in the teeth of what happens with the pack laying three and a half? Well, they're not the, <laughs> my favorite team to lay points with, at least for this season. With that being said, we are talking about a Colorado State team that hasn't covered any games so far this season and has failed to cover by 20 points per game. So I, I play numbers. Believe it or not, I played Colorado State on the open at plus five. At three and a half, uh, it's kind of a meh. I don't know. What I am surprised in, and these are moved actually against my numbers, I we've seen a ton of money on the under in this game. 
Hmm. I'm not afraid to disagree with the market. I'm going to lean over now. That total is way too low. Brad Powers with us. All right, UNLV on the road. Battle for first place in the division. That sounds crazy, but that's reality right now. And, you know, the, the number initially went down. So I'm sure you've tracked the money a little bit on this one. I think it opened five and a half uh, at Circa on Sunday. Uh, went down to four, and now it's been all the way better, uh, bet, all the way back up to six and a half. I saw seven yesterday with the Spartans favored. Yeah, I mean we've got some competing groups here, uh, back and forth. Because then finally, when it hit seven, UNLV money showed back again. So it just shows you that you know <laughs> numbers are important. Uh, I'm actually on the UNLV side here. Uh, I think it's a little pricey, even though I understand San Jose State's gotten a ton of money in the market three straight weeks now. I've been a part of it the first two weeks. This week I'm not. I mean, statistically, when you look at, uh, you know, just simple, yards per play margin, both are plus .8 on the season. Then you look at strength of schedules. Both are, are very similar. So because of that, uh, I'm going to take UNLV here, uh, plus the six, six and a half. In general, what have you liked about the Rebels this season? What surprised you? Because I know you were pretty aggressive against them coming into the campaign. Well, 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 I did bet over their season win total, three and a half. So, I mean, I wasn't that negative. What nice. I was negative was our buddy Tony Miller posted some very positive, uh, you know, UNLV as far as he was much higher on UNLV than the rest of the market. I mean, if you'd have, you know, projected his point spreads into a season win total, he'd add it at like five, five and a half. So uh, I did bet against those lines. But generally speaking, I thought UNLV would be improved. But, well, let's face it. I didn't think they'd be, you know, borderline. They win this game and they they become the favorite in the West Division. I didn't see that coming. Uh, what what have I seen so far? Well, I've actually appreciated a little bit more of the play calling. But I was a little skeptical of it the first couple of years under Marcus Arroyo. But I think the thing that st- stood out the most is he's hit a home run on the transfer portal. Uh, I mean, especially power five transfers. Ricky White from Michigan State, wide receiver, uh, the running back from Louisville. Plant from TCU is really, you know, excelling on the defensive side of the ball. So, I mean, that, that's what's really made UNLV undervalued in the market. Another Friday night game, Big Ten, Nebraska on the road. Do they have it back? They're laying three at Rutgers. I played Nebraska pick. I would not play it at three because I made it three. Uh, so, at the current number, no bet there. Um, and really no bet on the uh, on the total. I made it 51. It's 50 and a half. So, I think that's uh, obviously a very important game. For Rutgers, if they're going to have any hope and making a run towards the bowl, but uh, uh, no value now. Where are we? Let's jump to Saturday. Brad Powers, BradPowersSports.com, at BradPowers7 up on Twitter, breaking down leans and likes in college football. Where are we uh, with Miami 3.5, North Carolina? I'm going to lean with Miami. I, I, I like them to bounce back. I, I like first-year coaches coming off an early bye. They can hit a reset, specifically Miami, when <laughs> your last game was a a loss against Middle Tennessee is a 25-and-a-half-point favorite. So at that number, three-and-a-half, lean Miami. Is Auburn-Georgia on big CBS? And, and what game did they pass up Tennessee and LSU for, for that game? They did. They had their choice. Now, some people were arguing because, you know, CBS has the 8 o'clock Alabama A&M game. It's the only 8 o'clock game they get all year that, you know, maybe, you know, they didn't have the second choice, but they did. And they chose a game with a 29-and-a-half-point spread instead of a game with a three-point spread. Uh, and I'm here to tell you, I'm not running the window to bet the 29-and-a-half-point underdog, uh, Auburn. Uh, I, I think there's a really good chance next time you and I talk, Brian Harson, the head coach at Auburn, 
He's no longer the head coach at Auburn, so I, I think Georgia gets through a big-time margin on Saturday. Wow. All right, Tennessee, LSU. Really interesting. I think it's the most interesting game uh, of the weekend. There's a lot of good games. Uh, I just think Tennessee's situationally spot lines up for them. They're off a bye. More importantly, for this particular game, uh, check out that start time, 11 a.m. local time. Death Valley's a little bit different at 11 a.m. local time than it is at night. Don't believe me. 1960. Let's go all the way back then. LSU home games at night, they win 79% of them. I'm talking straight up. Day games, 56%. So I'll lean Tennessee there. Uh, back to the Big Ten for a second. What has happened to Michigan State? We were talking transfer portal at the beginning of the conversation. Uh, Tucker went out and got a bunch of transfers, and it just it hasn't worked out to this point. Now Ohio State's on the road laying 27 well, they've been banged up a little bit, especially on the defense side of the ball, but I also think you hit the nail on the head. But look, he hit a home run in the transfer portal last year. You're not going to hit it every single year, folks. I mean, I know it's a relatively new phenomenon, but you're seeing the negative side there where, I mean, they do look like they lack team chemistry. I've downgraded Michigan State as much as any team in the country besides Colorado and Hawaii. And in this particular game, I'm not looking to bet them against the Buckeyes, who, believe it or not, are number one now in my power ratings. You have uh, Fresno on your downgrade list, and a lot of that's because of injuries. What do you think happens with uh, Fresno and Boise State? That's a good question, because on the openers, I bet plus nine, and you would think, oh, I'm really happy with it because you know, i got a point and a half of line value right now. But you know, earlier this week, uh, I mean, <laughs> you look at the new head coach, Jeff Tedford. I mean, he started listing, uh, listing a mass unit as far as guys out, including Jay Kaner, who I thought at least had a possibility of coming back. Now he doesn't. So I think Boise State might have found something in the second half of that game. So I'm going to go against my original bet of plus nine and lay it with Boise here. I know you've been a little leery of Kansas. They uh, they got us last week against Iowa State. Uh, what happens this week? TCU is hot as a pistol right now, laying five. Well, I apologize first and foremost for if they got us last week. Uh, <laughs> it's a, it's if you okay. Had that big bet on them. We, we've uh, been we've been good a lot of other times, so it happens. No, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I think it does come to an end. it. Probably should have come to an end. Look, it's not just because I bet against them. I mean, let's face it; they got out game by 100 yards last week, and Iowa State's kicker missed three field goals. So uh, I think he makes one of them or two of them, and. Let's just face it, college game day is not in Lawrence, Kansas this week for the first time ever for a football game. TCU, meanwhile, just another simple metric, yards per play margin, number three in the country. This is a legitimate team, and while typically I would like to play against TCU off a big win against Oklahoma playing Kansas, I think unbeaten Kansas, college game day gets them focused, and because of that, they win and cover. Let's hit a bunch of Pac-12 games here. USC, Wazoo, Trojans 13. Late 10 on the open at 13, I'd probably lean Washington State. Numbers matters. Okay. Uh, I'm guessing you were impressed by UCLA. A lot of people were. That was a, a hell of a, you know three-and-a-half quarters until it got a little tighter at the end. But they've got Utah in town, and Utah on the road laying three-and-a-half. Yeah, I, I was. But, I mean, if I'm running in the window to lay two-and-a-half with Washington, what do you think I was doing on Sunday at three, three-and-a-half? I've been in Utah. I mean, Utah's a better team than Washington for obvious reasons. There's more stability. It's not a first-year coach. And, you know, Utah's been the class of the Pac-12. And on top of it, they've owned UCLA. Five straight wins by 27 points per game. Five straight covers by 19 points per game. Last I checked, Chip Kelly's still there. Kyle Whittingham's still there. 
give me Utah, although I'm concerned some big-time money came against Utah yesterday and today. Oh. Yeah, it's funny, too, with the uh, the offseason with UCLA, Dylan Gabriel was set to basically kick DTR, local kid, out of the program. Uh, he <laughs> stays around because then Gabriel, you know, reneged on his commitment you know, within a, a whatever a, a week or so and then he goes to Oklahoma so did I mean in the end did Kelly actually luck out that you know he he yeah. was going to make yeah, the wrong decision he was going to make the wrong decision and Dorian Thompson Robinson has hit a new level he has hit a new level although <laughs> we'll see I mean I know it's his fifth year as a starting quarterback uh, but there's still uh, there's still time for inconsistency from him so uh, ask me after this game okay I will ask you. You'll be on next week. Brad Powers with us. Seven. Seven is the number as Oregon State goes on the road against Stanford. I like the over. Uh, seven's fair. Uh, you know, obviously in a coaching matchup between David Shaw and uh, Jonathan Smith, I'm going to take Smith. But uh, I prefer the over here, 56 and a half. I know Oregon State quarterback situation, Chance Nolan, you know, a little banged up, but uh, over for me. This is a good slate. Let's close strong. Uh, Red River, what do we call No more shootout. Rivalry? What is it called? Whatever. Texas 9 <laughs> against Oklahoma. Well, 9 tells you that not only is Dylan Gabriel probably not playing, but now announced today, Texas Quinn Ewers is back. That's not good news for Oklahoma. I laid Texas. Uh, anything less than 10, I think, is worth it for Texas. First time they've been favored by this much since Vince Young was a starting quarterback. The Jimbo Cheats Bowl, whatever you want to call it, uh, those are the allegations thrown out there by Nick Saban. 24 against Tamu. Yeah, 24 tells you that Bryce Young will probably play. I don't think he plays every single snap at quarterback. Though I have packages for Jalen Milrow. Uh, I like Alabama just for the reason that there's an opportunity late in the game. If For Nick Saban to, to put an extra score on the board, he will. I feel like yeah, the Paul Chris not win like eight, nine, ten games just about every year. Have Wisconsin in pretty good shape. Fired? What? Nine and a half. They're at Northwestern, so we get the, are they going to rally for the new coach? Do they need a new coach? It's Jim Leonard. What's going to happen? Well, I like that nine and a half number because consensus <laughs> right now is ten and a half. And that's, okay, you know what? I, I read the number, I read no, the number wrong. Right. It's ten and a half, yep. <laughs> no, that's all right. Uh, yeah, I, I'm a part of the Wisconsin train here, believe it or not, and not all interim gigs are created equal. This is an audition for Jim Leonard, so I think they actually want him to get the job. If the players want that, they can get margin against Northwestern. Let's close out on this one. Are you going to Notre Dame and BYU? I saw you joking about it the other day. Irish are three and a half. I am not. Notre what? Dame you know, generally performs historically poorly when I'm in attendance. <laughs> and because Marcus Freeman needs to win, I am not showing up on Saturday night. Oh, my God. Are you serious? All joking aside, I actually I think Notre Dame deserves to be favored, but not by more than three points. So I lean BYU. I'm surprised you didn't ask me. Every time you ask, I ask you about going to the stadium, you're like, "Do you want the tickets? Is that why you're asking?" No, I'm not. I'm not, not this time. Not this time either. <laughs> so it should be a it should be an awesome atmosphere. And I was actually surprised when I saw the line initially that BYU wasn't getting more respect. So uh, BYU is getting a, a little more money in this one. Brad, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Another excellent spot. You got a quick leaner like for the game tonight, Thursday night football. Uh, I'm going to lean Denver, but not not a strong one. That, that's pizza money, now. Brad, you're awesome. Thank you. All right, take care, guys. That's one of our best spots of the week. It's like 500 games in nine minutes. Candy, you going to go to the game? Come on. Evil against evil. BYU and Notre Dame, let's do it. That's true. It is evil against evil. I I am the worst Catholic on earth because I can't stand Notre Dame. I've never been able to stand Notre Dame. It goes back to uh, the old days of being a 
a Miami Hurricanes fan growing up because there is no college football in New York. I just picked something close. Hmm. You know, as it turns out, you may not be the worst. Just saying. Really? Yeah. Just, just really. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> probably, probably not. That is good for Vegas, though. A ton of Notre Dame fans are coming into town, and we know BYU fans will fight to grab some of those tickets. That'll do it today. Thursday night football is on the way. You've been listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Reno, and check out the archives on lvsportsnetwork.com. The full show is up there.